It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, the Thursday edition. Raider Nation, we hope you're doing well out there. And thank you for joining us for another show. Whether you're listening to us on audio or watching us on video, we do very, very much appreciate you guys being here. Without you guys, we're not here. So thank you for that. And I say we, it's myself, Scalco Branson, along with my partner, Mo Moten, senior NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist up on uh, sportsnot.com where you can catch his Raiders only. He does Raiders stuff on Bleacher Report too. Of course, he does his... Bleacher Report Lives, which you probably watched yesterday on Wednesday. And Mo lost his temper and started yelling. No, I'm just kidding. He did not. Uh, but if you don't already do that, make sure you go check him out. Also, follow him on X.com at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully, G-U-L-L-Y, and the show is SNB Today. Also, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you don't already subscribe to the show, even if you're watching us on video, do us a big favor. It really helps us out if you go and subscribe to the audio version. Turn on the auto download and you can get it wherever you get your audio. We are everywhere. We're ubiquitous. No matter what your channel, no matter what your device, you can find silver and black today. All right, Mo, we're getting ready. Uh, we have this, this kind of dead week in between now and the Super Bowl. So the NFL world is a little strange. We're, we're As we record here on Wednesday, we don't have an answer yet on the Raiders offensive coordinator, which some, yeah, you might start to think, well, maybe that's the Clint Kubiak rumor we heard, the Raiders being interested in him. You kind of got to give some credence to it now, at least on face value, because he's the only one still uh, that's still playing because the 49ers are in the Super Bowl. So uh, interested to hear your thoughts there. Cliff Kingsbury, I did a story up uh, on him on Sports not. We've heard some other names, of course. Getze, Luke Getze from the Bears, who was fired after the uh, this season. Um, quickly, before we get into the whole quarterback discussion, give me your your perspective on the offensive corner. It's obviously a huge, huge hire for for Antonio Pierce and for the Raider organization. Give me give me your thoughts so far on where it is and where you think it's going. You mean the Raiders wouldn't be interested in Matt Nagy on the other <laughs> side of the coin for the, for the Chiefs? So, uh oh, no. uh oh, no, I'm kidding. But you're you're absolutely right with the whole Clint Kubiak talk. You you wonder if the Raiders are just waiting for him to be available before they lock they before they lock him in, or you know at least you know bring him in to say, okay, he he's our top front, he's our front runner for the offensive corner position. But I will say that. Who knows? Maybe they settle with not settle, but maybe they maybe they hire Cliff Kingsbury, who was the guy that I brought up a while ago via Colin Cowherd through his sources. Maybe Alex Van Pelt, 
Alex Van Pelt, remember, I don't know, a lot of people would say Alex Van Pelt didn't call plays. He did call plays for one playoff game against the Steelers when Baker Mayfield was there. I actually wouldn't mind Alex Van Pelt, but I think Clint Kubiak is is the number one guy that Raider Nation is talking about right now simply because he he's in San Francisco. When you're under Cal Shanahan and you get that shine, you're going to get a lot of buzz. It's similar <laughs> to Sean McVay and Los Angeles. So I understand why Raider fans would want Clint Kubiak, but I will say that I wouldn't be bummed if the if the decision came down to Alex Van Pelt or Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I, I think I think the three of them are interesting. And I think each one of them, like any candidate, and this is where I always we got into it the other day. And of course, we'll talk about quarterbacks throughout this show because that's the focus today. But it's amazing to me because no candidate or I should say very, very, very few candidates or players have so much upside that you don't even consider their downsides, right? So, so you look at the offensive coordinator role, you look at the three candidates that we, we know kind of are in the mix now and fourth, if you consider Getze, and they all have positives and negatives. I mean, you talk about Clint Kubiak, not a lot of experience calling plays, right? Um, and, and so you can look at that. Yes, he's on a team that's in the Super Bowl, so that gives him definitely a different kind of shine. And around the league, his reputation has, has started to grow. So he's one of those up-and-coming guys, and that's cool. That's good, too. But then you look at Van Pelt. He's already done the job with some good results, even though uh, he found himself outside looking in, in in Cleveland. So that's the downside for him. And then, of course, Kingsbury uh, did well in college as an offensive coordinator. The air raid offense, I've been going back and forth with people on air raid offense because I won't work in the pros. It's like, no, you don't. He's not. Do, he didn't do it completely in the pros like he did in college. But he developed young quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Johnny Menzel, and of course, Kyler Murray. Elements of the air raid are all over the NFL. So you can't, you can't deny that they're not there. And people are like, well, it's just dumping off pass. It doesn't matter. It works, right? So you, you look at what's going on there. Uh, and so you see that upside. And then you see the downside of Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury fired there in, in Arizona. I think he just got the role maybe too early. It's hard being a head coach versus... A coordinator, and this is where this is what Antonio Pierce is going to learn too coming into the season, right? He's he's a rookie head coach, so everybody's got challenges, and so I think you look at this pool. Nobody will not not everybody will be happy no matter who which way they go, but at least I like the direction they're going because I think mo- these guys, with the exception of Getzey, and even then, you know, there's some good things about him, but overall, Mo, I think these guys are they're not dated. I'll put it that way. They are sort of in the position to where they are at the forefront sort of, of where offenses are in the NFL and where they're going. Right. And what, what I will say about Van Pelt, and I guess some people want to know why I would be okay with Van Pelt is not only that the Browns, I believe put up 48 points in that playoff game that he called plays for because Kevin Stefanski had COVID, but also that he being under Kevin Stefanski and being in Cleveland, you understand that, the Cleveland Browns were a physical football team. So what did they have? Yes. They had a strong offensive line, and they ran the ball pretty well. What do you think Antonio Pierce wants to do? Probably wants a strong offensive line and wants to run the ball pretty well. So I think philosophy-wise, Alex Van Pelt would be a very good fit with Antonio Pierce. When it comes mm-hmm. to Cliff Kingsbury, I know some people are down on Cliff Kingsbury, but look at his offenses in Arizona. May not have been the best head coach, but if you look at those offenses, they were top 11 in scoring and total yards back-to-back years. The Cardinals were 
a playoff contender. Now, they didn't win any playoff games. Kyler Murray wilted in the playoffs in, in the first round with pressure. But if you look at the production of those offenses under Cliff Kingsbury, you have to like what you see. My only thing is, how is, he's gonna, how is he going to mix that air raid offense with maybe Antonio Pierce's physical philosophy and wanting to run the ball? They'll have to marry those two ideals. But I will say that Cliff Kingsbury's offenses were efficient in the red zone. As he as time went on, they brought in James Conner, who came in, ran the ball yes. pretty well. He's a big bruising back. So he knows how to close the deal when it comes to uh, touchdown drives, scoring six points instead of three points, which the Raiders needed to do a lot more this past season in the past several years. Yeah, correct. And I think that when you people people mistake because it's got elements of the West Coast offense and the run and shoot going back a few years and this kind of wide open people people misconstrue it because it's called air raid. And so they look at numbers and they're like, well, it's not vertical. He said it, it's air rated. It's, ver it's not vertical. There is verticals there. There's verts. There's, there's, there's a, a wide open offense that allows for the quarterback. Now in college, it's much more limited because in college quarterbacks don't read defenses like they do in the pros. It's just, it's just more difficult. So in college, the quarterback is given less freedom with air raid or a, a derivative of the air raid in the NFL, you give the quarterback more power. Right, you give the quarterback the ability to change the plays depending on what defense he sees back there, and so there is a lot of dump off passes. But that is the NFL today. When people criticize, well, there's going to be a lot of screen passes. That's how the NFL is because what the NFL has learned and what the air raid helped bring in is the fact that it's easier to pass the ball short than it is to run the ball. But to your point about Antonio Pierce, the run is important in the air raid. Actually, if you do it correctly and you do it physically, so you're right, melding them together would be an interesting mix. But if I had to bet today, Mo, I would say that it's going to be Van Pelt. And I think it's I think it's because of his experience, right? Because I think he's been there, he's done it. And on that staff, I think you need that, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Now, developing young quarterbacks, all that, who knows? We'll see who they end up having as the quarterback coach. That could be a key part of this uh, when they bring in the offensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting. Um, and if, if we go through this entire week, which we're almost done with the week, and it doesn't happen, and then you go through next week and it doesn't happen, then you got to believe they're waiting to, to meet Clint Kubiak in person because everybody else has met with the Raiders in person. He's the only one who hasn't. The other thing about Alex Van Pelt is if you look at the Cleveland Browns, what they've done with David Njoku, he had a breakout year this Great past year. year. You yeah. have to like seeing that with David Njoku, you have to like the potential in Michael Mayer if you're bringing in Alex Van Pelt, assuming he brings in a lot of what he brings from Cleveland to Las Vegas. The common thread between Van Pelt and Kubiak is both could be known for running the ball pretty well. Clint Kubiak, of course, the son of Gary Kubiak, who's known for establishing the run. Of course, being under Cal Shanahan, who can run the ball 50 different ways, you have to believe he's going to bring some of that to Las Vegas if he's high. So I think the two philosophy, the two philosophic mass matches to Antonio Pierce, the best matches are Clint Kubiak and Van Pelt with Click Kingsbury, as I said, having to mesh his air raid or derivative of the air raid offense with Antonio Pierce's philosophy. Yep, well said. All right, let's move on to quarterbacks now, right? The, 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 the biggest need of the Raiders, and spare me the offensive I know we need offensive line is the, the philosophy of the Raiders. Like they're saying, hey, we, we do need to do that. I, I should say Raider fans. We need offensive line. This is what I hear them say. We need offensive line. Yes, they do, especially depending, as we talked about last show, who leaves in free agency, who do they resign? But again, you got to get the quarterback. It's the NFL, folks. You got to get the quarterback. There is a, a a crop of quarterbacks this year that are very good. 
and the Raiders need to figure out what they're going to do. And we're going to talk about this segment. We're going to talk about the draft. So the young quarterbacks coming out that you've been hearing about this class. We'll get into that. Second segment, we're going to talk about the free agent pool. Not, It's not a very deep pool, but it's a free agent pool nonetheless. We'll talk about that. And then the third segment, we're going to get to your voicemails and emails in the Raider Nation mailbag for this week. All right, Mo, let's dive in now, too, because I, I we, we talk about this quarterback class. And, of course, the top three names, and and, and everybody knows these names because uh, we've been hearing about them since the start of the college football year. And what we have here up on the screen, and let me get this graphic off of here, uh, is the Raiders uh, and looking at top draft quarterbacks in the draft. Of course, Caleb Williams, USC uh, and Drake May. And let me add too, if you're watching us, if you're listening, you won't see this, but you can check it on the video. But um, next to their school is a number. This is a number that I've averaged out amongst four or five different big board websites. So they rank all the players from one to 700 or whatever it is. Uh, and 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 where the quarterback ranks in the top players in the entire draft. So that includes all positions. So, But as far as quarterback goes, number one, Caleb Williams, he's also the number one on the big board, right? Not a, not a surprise there. Number two is Drake May in North Carolina. He's the third player listed on the big board. Number three is Jaden Daniels. He's 11. Then you have Michael Penix Jr. at 20, Bo Nix at 22. J.J. McCarthy is the sixth-rated quarterback. He is positioned in the uh, 57 in the draft, so basically second round, low second round-ish. Then it, there's a big drop-off here, although a couple players that are that are very interesting – uh, Michael Pratt from Tulane at 75, and then Spencer Rattler from South Carolina at 93. That's the top eight quarterbacks. And you look at this, and Mo, you and I'm going to flash now on the screen too. Remember the Raiders draft pick. So look, top five quarterbacks, basically one through 22 is the range. You look at the Raiders picks. They have one pick in the top 22, okay? Not to say that they couldn't get a quarterback later and try to develop them, but if you want to get up and get one of the top quarterbacks that we just showed you in the top five of this, this pretty deep class, then guess what? Um, the Raiders are, are going to have to make some, some moves here, I think, Mo. But you look at that list of those players and, and, and who they are, and um, it's, it's going to be tough because everybody said, well, they got to trade up, got to trade, tra trade up. We talked about that. It's harder to do than it is to say it. Um, but when you look at that class and you look at those eight guys and the position the Raiders are in, what do you see? What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and I think I said this on Tuesday's show that if the Raiders are going to stand pat at 13 or even move up to eight to leapfrog the Vikings and the Denver Broncos, the likely targets are Bo Nix and Michael Penix. So yeah. you, I think you would have to narrow it down to those two guys, assuming Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels all go one, two, and three. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of Raider fans don't want to hear that because they want <laughs> one of those three top quarterbacks, but as I said, the only the only possibility that the Raiders get one of those three is if the New England Patriots, who sit at three, don't like the third quarterback available among those top tier guys. Right. If that's if that's not the case, 
you're you're picking between a quarterback who has the has the pocket presence, has the deep ball accuracy in Michael Penix, but has an injury history, or you're choosing Bo Nix, who's more reliable when it comes to availability in his collegiate career, but a lot of people criticize him for not having the arm. I will say that just because a quarterback, and this is usually applied to running backs, Jordan Reed of another network says this a lot. Just because a player doesn't do something in college doesn't mean he can't do it in the pros. And it's usually attached to running backs who don't catch the ball a ton in, in college. And they say, well, he doesn't catch out of the backfield. Doesn't mean he can't. Just doesn't mean he wasn't asked to do that on the collegiate level. With Bo Nix, I think you can apply the same principle where a lot of people says, well, he doesn't have a big arm, doesn't have deep arm accuracy like Michael Penix. And I will say, in Oregon, that was the offense. Screens yeah. and short passes. It doesn't right. mean that Bo Nix cannot stretch the field. That's what he was asked to do at Oregon. Yes. So I think with Bo Nix is going to be important, and I know he's down in mobile, um, it's going to be important for him to show that he has the arm strength uh, to get uh, to get the ball to receivers downfield, and I think that will increase his draft stock. Now, not dramatically because the film is the film, but I think people need to keep that in mind that, as you said in the first segment or, or earlier in the show, that sometimes a quarterback can be handcuffed by the system and the coaching staff on the collegiate level, and then when he gets yeah. to the pros, he can do more if asked to do more. Correct. And I would also, to your point now, before people start saying, well, Mo, you just said – doesn't mean they can't do it in the pros. Well, what about Aiden O'Connell? He can become more athletic. Different story, That's not right? A, we're talking mechanics. We're talking about mechanics. We're right. talking about uh, weight training, arm strength. Because remember, and I'll give an example. And I think even though he's a bigger guy, Bo Nix reminds me a little bit of of Drew Brees coming out of college. Because when Drew Brees, if you read the draft report on him, it was okay. He was smaller, number two. He's six foot. Bo Nix is six two. Uh, and so you look at that, okay, that's one difference, but both had the same issue, which was a oh, good, can move the ball smart, you know, all the smarts you want from a quarterback, but his arm strength's a little weak. So what happens? Bo, uh, excuse me, not Bo Nix. Drew Brees goes into the combine in Indy and shows more arm strength than the film showed, right? So, so the pro scouts are there in Indy. They get to see him in person and run him through the drills and he surprises them. He surprises them with his arm strength, okay? And I think that's what Bo Nix is. I think he's close to that. I'm not saying he's going to be Drew Brees by any means, but I'm just telling you that I think that, to your point, that stuff like arm strength, footwork, uh, mechanics, those can all be fixed. So as fans, I've been engaging with a lot of fans online are like, well, this player does this. But guys, doesn't matter what we think. <laughs> the scouts are looking at different things. They're not looking, well, Caleb Williams, is he still the number one pick because they had such a terrible finish? Doesn't matter. They're looking at what he's going to do. Is he a leadership? They're going to sit down in his interview on pro his pro day and say, is this the guy we want to lead our team? They're going to run him through all the psychology, all that stuff. So they are going to look at it much differently. And I think Bo Nix is that situation. And that's why I think Bo Nix, and, and, and you're, you're a Knicks fan, right? You're a New York Knicks fan, mm -hmm. right? But I also know, I, I'm telling you, I, we had, you know, we call Mo Mostradamus, right? Because he has a way to see the future. And so uh, he, sometimes, most of the time, you're, you're pretty accurate. But he had a dream last night and we somehow we captured the image. And here's Mo. With, <laughs> Mo's a Knicks fan. There's Bo Nix. Look, he's got his avocado smoothie. There's Mo and his Brooklyn gear in Vegas. They're enjoying themselves out in the sun. Anyway, people would say people would say those are Brooklyn Nets colors because they make fun of my <laughs> Brooklyn Nets hat, but we'll let yes. we'll let that slide. 
But I, I, I really, I think, you know, what you're saying, and, and this is why we show this draft board, because, I mean, if you look at it now, like you said, Mo, something crazy could happen, and stuff does happen. Guys fall, not because they're bad players. There might be, a, somebody might trade up for a different reason. Somebody might trade down for a different reason. Like you said, the Patriots might not like Jaden Daniels, and then suddenly the Raiders can trade from 13 to 5 or wherever, and they're able to go get him. Now, we do also know, that uh, our friends at the LA Football Network reported too that um, that uh, that the Denver Broncos are very interested in trying to trade up and get Caleb Williams. Now, I people argue with me. I still say the Bears are going to take him. I don't care what anybody. Oh no, they like Fields. They want look either it's, that or they're if somebody gives them an unbelievable deal. Of course they'll trade out. If somebody does the the Herschel Walker type deal, okay, great, they'll take it. But other than that, I just I mean I'm willing to bet any any amount to anybody that they're not going to trade out of that. So, yes, that said, even Denver, even if they tr- could trade up to two or three, like you said, the Patriots don't want, want Jaden Daniels or, 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 or whatever. The Broncos are going to be aggressive to get a quarterback, okay? So the Raiders have to consider that too. But I do think at the end of the day, the guy that is most likely to end up a Raider, if they go quarterback in the first round, Again, they might do something else. But if they do, I think Bo Nix is the safe bet at this point. And I don't think Raiders fans should be disappointed with that. Yeah, I would say Bo Nix is the safe bet simply because if you're wor- if you're skittish about Michael Penix's injury history, Bo, yeah. Bo Nix would be the option, right? Because that's going to be the knock against Michael Penix throughout this evaluation process is what are the medicals going to say about the condition of his knee? Because we hear all sorts of reports after the combine about a player's uh, injury history, mm-hmm. past injuries, recent injuries. Now, Michael Penix has been healthy recently, but it's been talked about ad nauseum about his knee and you know all the surgeries that he's had. So that's going to probably knock him off. That'll knock him completely off some boards. Yes. I will say that. Some and, that will. Will knock, and that will knock him to the second round on other boards. I don't know what, how the Raiders feel. As I said, Tom Telesco has, has a history of not really, I don't want to say not caring, but – he doesn't mind drafting players with an injury history, but it's usually other positions like safety, wide receiver. It's different with the quarterback because if you don't have your quarterback on the field, you know, it could be a big blow to your offense. So he may be a little more cautious about picking a quarterback with an injury history. Yeah. And if he is, I, again, as we reiterate, we think Bo Nix is probably the most realistic option. But if he's not worried about Michael Penix's knee, if the medicals aren't as bad as we think they are going to be about Michael Penix's knee, then Michael Penix joins in that that discussion of he could be a possibility in the first round even if the Raiders do let's say trade back let's see if the Raiders are seeing other uh Michael Penix slip in the draft let's say he's he's not he he's passes the Raiders let's say he's still on the board at 20. Mm -hmm. remember the Raiders could still trade back up into the first round we've seen teams do this the Baltimore Ravens when they got Lamar Jackson traded back into the first round to get him so if Michael Penix does fall don't don't say well you know they're going to pass on Michael Penix because they took a cornerback or offensive lineman at 13. They could still move up and get him if, if he uh, slips a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a higher risk. But again, I mean, looking at this list, Mo, uh, and this is the point I wanted to make before we close out the segment and get into the free agent discussion, which is the idea here that once you get past Bo Nix or Michael Penix, let's say you have them ranked flip-flop, whatever, four or five. Once you get past five, there's a big drop-off, Right. And so, so you don't have to worry about if, if, if they like JJ McCarthy, I'm not saying they should, or they do, 
but let's say they do, you know, you don't have to, you, you don't have to go. Now somebody could overreach and pick them. That hell happens. But past five, past pick 22 or the twin early twenties, then there's the drop off. So then at that point, you know, if, 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 if these guys are gone, if the five of those quarterbacks are gone in the first 12 picks, which I doubt happens, but let's just say it does for the sake of argument. Then you start saying, okay, well, yeah, we need a quarterback, but guess what? We got to go to plan B and uh, we're going to take somebody else in the first round to your point and then try to trade back into the back end of the first round uh, and, and, and try to, or, or just wait it out and you go with a McCarthy or somebody like that past McCarthy, Pratt, Rattler, those guys are all projects, right? Cause then you're talking, you're talking Pratt projected third round. That's if he stays there, it could be fourth round. And then you're getting into Aiden O'Connell territory and you already got that. So now they're a little bit different as far as the style of play and their ability to be functional mobile, functionally mobile. So it's a different situation there, but it's going to be fascinating. And yes, everybody wants to go all in to get all up. But again, if you can't get anybody in the top three, let's say the top three teams will not move. Then you have two options, in my view, if you're going to go with a young quarterback this year. Uh, and if you can't get one of those two guys, then you got to go to plan B. And you might need to another, wait another year to try to get your franchise quarterback and, and piece it together. So that would be disappointing for fans. I get it. But Mo, they have to have plan B. We're going to talk about that in the next segment when we get into the free agents. Yeah, Spencer Rattler is going to be an interesting evaluation. I felt like his first year as a starter at South Carolina was his best year. Yes. Kind of erratic after that. One name that you didn't have on the board, Joe Milton III out of Tennessee. Yes. Big arm guy, about 6'5", almost 250. People are going to look at him and go, wow, that that dude looks like a <laughs> you know, mini tight end right there. But he, yeah. he's, he's one of those quarterbacks that has the big arm, just needs to work on his accuracy a bit, where Michael Pratt is kind of the opposite. Doesn't have a big arm, but is very accurate. So if the Raiders, get, as you said, get past those top names, it'll be interesting to see if they have a plan B to pick a quarterback in on day two. And if it is one of those guys, including McCarthy, because I'm sure there are some teams that have McCarthy as a first round pick as well. But I think he's a very late first round pick, early second round pick. Yeah. And again, the combine and pro days, depending, you know, Caleb Williams, not going to the combine. He's going to do a pro day. Um, He's not going to go to the, at least as far as I know, I haven't seen that he's going to the combine. Why would you? Right. Um, Instead, you just host, you're going to be the first pick anyway. It's not going to help you to do too much stuff so you can dictate it by doing a pro day instead. Uh, and some of the other guys might do that. Drake may might do that. Top three quarterbacks may top five quarterbacks may do that. So we'll see. But I think, I think with Knicks and Penix junior, they have going to the combine could help, help, help them significantly. So for them, it makes sense to go. So we'll see how it all works out. I will be there. So I'm going to be up at the combine, uh, for at least a day or two. And so we'll, we'll get a look. Hopefully I can time it so I can see those guys, but all right, we're going to step aside when we come back, Mo and I are going to get talk about the free agent market. I know you want to draft a quarterback. Yes, they have to draft a quarterback, I believe. But if something happens and they can't and they really need to think about it. And by the way, the quarterback room needs three people. Somebody argued with me. No, we got O'Connell. All we need is what drafted rookie. No, you need a veteran in there, too. So we're going to talk about veterans that are available in the free agent pool this year in the NFL. You're listening to Silver and Black today. We're coming back right after these words. 